All right. Praise God. You ready to receive the word? Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Romans, the 8th chapter. We're going to look at two verses out of that chapter for our text. First one is chapter, uh, verse 14 from the New Living Translation. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And then Romans 8.16 from the New King James Version. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We ask Your Holy Spirit to open our eyes today and make Your Word come alive in us and help us to see what changes we need to make in our lives. And we purpose to be doers of the Word today and not hearers only. Thank You for helping us and for transforming us into the image of Your Son in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, the last time I spoke uh, here, we looked at the importance of redeeming the time or buying up the opportunities the Lord gives us as we walk out our lives on this earth. And it occurred to me after I finished that message how critical it is that we know how to be led by the Spirit of God if we're going to spend our time on the things that have eternal value and eternal reward. In 1 Corinthians 3:11 through 15, and this is from the New Living Translation, Paul says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, and this is for referring to the day we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive our rewards, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. And Paul refers to this again in 2 Corinthians 5.10. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been, and what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Now let me be clear, standing before the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with determining if we've been saved or not. If we're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, it's because we've already been saved. We've already received Jesus as our Lord and Savior and been born again. And this is the time for us to receive our rewards. And we can surmise from Paul's words here that just being busy for the Lord in a haphazard way doesn't necessarily mean you'll receive a reward for that. So how are we to know what works are valuable to the Lord and what works are worthless? In other words, how are we to know which opportunities we're to buy up? Well, the answer could be summed up in two words. Be led. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Brother Kenneth E. Hagin wrote an excellent book on this subject called How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. This is probably an older copy or older cover, but it's an excellent book. I recommend you, you get it and read it if you haven't. 
And I'm going to be pulling from portions of this book throughout the rest of this message. In our first sermon text in Romans 8.14 in the New Living Translation, Paul said, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This implies that the children of God, those who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, can expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. In order to understand how God leads us, it will help us to do a quick review of the nature and composition of man. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see from this verse that the complete person consists of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your spirit is the real you. It's the part of you that connects with God and is eternal. When you were born into this world, you were dead to God. Your spirit was dead to God. But when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your human spirit was made alive to God and became a new creature. The Holy Spirit who recreated your human spirit then came to live inside of you. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and emotions. It connects with the mental realm. And it too is eternal. But unlike your spirit, your soul was not born again. It has to be renewed with the Word of God. Back in 1993, Brother Hagin wrote that the greatest need of the church then was to have minds renewed with the Word of God. And I believe that statement is true today. Our physical body is the earthly house in which our spirit and our soul live. It enables us to operate in this physical world in which we live. This body is mortal. It will die but we will eventually receive a new immortal body that will never grow old, never be sick, and never die. Hallelujah. So, in reviewing, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. If you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, you'll have to become more conscious of your own spirit, your inward man, which the Bible calls the hidden man of the heart. Because the Holy Spirit leads us through our human spirit. Amen? So how do we develop spiritual sensitivity? Well, first of all, you spend time in the Bible. And that shouldn't be a novel concept for us. Our Bible shouldn't be something that we just leave on our coffee tables for for decoration. We should be spending time regularly in it. And I recommend if you haven't set set time aside daily to read the scriptures, do it and start reading a chapter a day and start in the New Testament. Do it in a quiet place with no distractions and allow yourself time to think about what you're reading. This is the food that your human spirit feeds off of, folks. So if you're not doing it, you're starving your human spirit and you can't expect to be led accurately by the Spirit of God. We talked in a previous message about the importance of meditating and muttering the word so it gets down on the inside of you and becomes real to your inner man. Well, secondly, become a doer of the word. Once you've read it and meditated on it, put it into practice. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, pray to the Lord. That means talk to him in your own language. Don't try to put on some highfalutin tone talking in Elizabethan English, just talk to them in your own way. It also includes praying in other tongues. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 14, in the Amplified, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. In verse 4 of that same chapter, Paul says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies and improves himself. I've heard more than one well-known minister accredit their success in ministry to praying in other tongues. The fourth thing that will help you develop spiritual sensitivity is walking in love. Kenneth Copeland once wrote, When I made the decision to walk in the commandment of love, I began to order my thinking in that direction, and it softened my heart. The decision started the laws of the Spirit to work in my heart, causing it to be tender and sensitive. So these four things, meditating on the Word, being a doer of the Word, praying with your understanding and in tongues, and walking in love are foundational to us as born-again believers to be in a position to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now let's look at some ways that the Holy Spirit leads us. Our second sermon text in Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Another translation of that verse says, The Spirit Himself endorses our inward conviction that we really are the children of God. In Brother Hagin's book, he tells of how he had a visitation from the Lord Jesus Himself, who came into his room, sat down, and began teaching, among other things, how, to, how he leads his people. Jesus said that the primary way God leads all of his children is by the inward witness. So what is an inward witness? It's what you sense on the inside in your spirit, man, that can be called a conviction, an intuition, a knowing that something is either right or wrong. For instance, you might have a sense that this is the right way to go, the right thing to do, the right decision to make. It's not based on your reasoning faculties. In fact, sometimes you might be, your mind might be telling you something completely the opposite. But on the inside, you're sensing a nudge, a green light. It just seems good to you. Brother Hagen said Jesus described it as a velvety feeling in your spirit, and it produces peace on the inside. We see an example of this in Acts 15, 28 through 29, in the letter from the church elders in Jerusalem to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. And the letter said, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. So something as important as church doctrine was decided upon by the Jerusalem Council, not by dreams, not by visions or visitations, but by the inward witness. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to the elders. One of the first times I remember being led by an inward witness was about two months after I was saved. I'd been taking night school classes to improve my chances of getting hired for an apprenticeship at Eastman Kodak, where I worked at the time. And shortly after I got saved, I began hungering for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I also sensed I should start attending the midweek Bible study at our church but it happened to fall on the same night in my night school class. So I decided, well, I'll start attending the, once the semester was over. 
But the Lord had other plans. So I was sitting in class one evening, and I had this very strong sense that I needed to withdraw from the class and begin attending the Bible study now, rather than waiting for the semester to end. Well, there was a battle going on in my head, I don't mind telling you. Quitting for me was not an option. Not only would I not get reimbursed for the class by my employer, but it also looked bad that I hadn't completed it. So I resisted. But the longer I sat there, there, the urge became so strong that I just finally got up in the middle of class and went down to the administrative office and withdrew from the class. The next week, I went to the Bible study. And what do you think they were teaching on? They were teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I went up to the instructor who was the associate pastor and told him I was supposed to be here and I wanted the baptism in the Holy Spirit. To his credit, the instructor gave me the notes from the class I missed and told me to take it home and look up all the scriptures listed in the notes, which I did. That Sunday, I went up to the instructor after the service and I said, I'm ready for you to pray for me. I sat down in a chair and he and another man laid hands on me and I instantly began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. Hallelujah. All because of an inward witness. It seemed good that I should leave that class and get to this Bible study. And I'm still speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. An inward witness can warn you of something you shouldn't do. For example, you might have a check in your spirit, man, a red light, a perception that this is not the way to go or the thing to do. Paul had such an inward witness. In Acts 27.10, he had been accused of causing a riot in Jerusalem, and he had appealed his, key, his case to Caesar. The captain of the ship that was to take Paul to Rome had decided to risk a voyage from the Cretan port of Fairhavens to find a better port to spend the winter. Paul advised the ship's officer, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Paul's perception came from a leading of the Holy Spirit, witnessing to his spirit. The captain and pilot of the ship convinced the centurion on board that Phoenix was the more rational choice. So Paul's warning was overridden. The ship and cargo were lost in a storm. But by the grace and mercy of God, all those aboard were able to reach to shore. Paul's experience shows us that just because you have an inward witness doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing, especially when other people are involved. All right? Amen. Back in 1999, my wife found this house for sale. We'd been needing more room for our family for some time, so we decided to look at it. And while we were looking through the home, I started getting the sense on the inside in my spirit that this was the right place for us. My wife told me afterward that my face showed nothing. She didn't know what I thought about the house until after we looked at the backyard and I said, I want to see the inside again. We called the realtor when we got home and said we wanted to submit an offer. He came to our house and said the only way he would accept our offer was if we let him list our current home, which was highly unethical. I said, no, we'll decide for ourselves who will list our home. And so the deal was dead. A few days later, my wife and I were driving on Trouble Creek Road. And it seemed good to me that we drop in on the owners of the house we wanted to buy. 
My wife was surprised because that was totally out of character for me. But we went straight over. We explained to the owners what happened with their realtor, and they were taken aback by that. We told them we wanted to buy their home. And the husband, who was a highly respected minister of their gospel and had taught at Dallas Theological Seminary. In fact, one of the books he wrote is used in a lot of Bible colleges throughout the country. And he said he would straighten things out with the realtor so we could submit our offer. I asked if we could pray together before we left, and he led us in a prayer over the transaction. I'm happy to say the deal went through, and we're still enjoying living in that house today. Amen. Glory to God. And all because it seemed good to go over to their house and talk to them. Jesus told Brother Hagen, If you will learn to follow that inward witness, I will guide you in all the affairs of life, financial as well as spiritual. I want to read a story that just really jumped out at me in this book by Brother Hagen. It's about a man who had only a fifth grade education and he became a very successful investor. And this is the story as he, he was telling how he became successful. He said, everything I've ever invested in has made money. When someone comes along with an idea wanting me to invest in something, my first reaction is mental. Now, I know when Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet, that he didn't necessarily mean you have to get into a closet to pray. I know he meant for us to shut things out. But I have a large closet in my bedroom where I go to pray. I pray about it. I wait long enough until I hear what my spirit says. Sometimes I wait three days. Now, I don't mean that I stay in there 24 hours a day. I might come out and eat one meal. Usually I miss a few. I come out and sleep a little bit, but the majority of the time I'm waiting just by myself until I know inside by an inward witness what I am to do. Sometimes my head says, boy, you'd be a fool to put your money in that. You'll lose your shirt. But my heart says, go ahead, invest in it. So I do. And in all these years, I have never lost a dime, he said. How many know that's a pretty good track record? (laughs) He said, then again, someone comes along with a deal and my head says, boy, you had better get in on that one. But I don't pay attention to my head. I get in that closet and I wait. Sometimes all night long I wait. I'll pray and read my Bible, but a lot of the time I just wait. I get quiet until I can hear inside what my spirit says. When my heart says, no, don't do it, and my head says, yes, you better get in on it, I don't do it. Brother Hagen said, what had this man done? He had learned to follow the inward witness, and God had guided him in his business. And until in the late 30s and early 40s, he was worth $2 million. Hallelujah. You might be saying, I want to get those kind of results. Are we willing to spend time waiting on the Lord like this man did? We're so used to instant gratification that the concept of waiting an hour, let alone days, seems foreign to us. And yet, when you look at the lives of so many men and women of God who are mightily used by God, waiting on him like that was the norm. I want to look at two other ways the Lord leads us. One is the still small voice of your human spirit, and the other is the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit. 
We said earlier, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live and abide in your human spirit. He communicates with you through your spirit. Your spirit picks up things from the Holy Spirit and then passes them on to your mind, which is your soul. The still small voice of your human spirit, which can also be called your conscience, can be so faint that you could miss hearing it if your mind and body are so active that they drown it out. We've all heard stories from people who had something bad happen to them, and afterward they said, you know, something told me on the inside I shouldn't have done that. Well, that's your human spirit talking to you, and it's picking up leadings from the Holy Spirit. We should learn to be sensitive and discerning about those leadings. Amen? Amen. And while we're on this topic... I think the Lord has gotten a bad rap at times from believers who have looked at some tragedy or accident that befell another Christian and asked, I wonder why the Lord allowed that to happen to them. The better question to ask is, I wonder why that Christian didn't heed the warnings from the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Lord is always striving to lead us down the best pathway for our lives. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life in abundance, to the full, till it's overflowing. The leadings and promptings of the Holy Spirit are to keep us on that good path. Amen? Amen. We need to get that settled inside of us, folks. An example of the still small voice speaking in my own life was when we started attending a certain large church years ago. I was helping out in the sound booth, and one night at our weekly rehearsal with the band, I heard, not with an audible voice, but on the inside, in my spirit, that I was going to be the next worship leader at that church. I only told my wife what I heard on the inside. Within approximately two months, the senior pastor asked me if I would lead worship for the next Wednesday night service. I did, and afterwards he called and asked me if I would pray about becoming the new worship leader. I said, I don't need to pray about it. The Lord already showed me I was to do it. Hallelujah. And that was the still small voice of the Spirit of God that I just picked up while we were, while I was listening. The authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit is more pronounced than the still small voice of your conscience. It's more likely to get your attention and it's harder to overlook in my opinion. In Acts 20, in Acts 8, 26 through 29, We see an example of Philip the evangelist being led first by an angel and then by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Starting with verse 26, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So look at what happened here. First, he received direction from an angel. I'm guessing he saw the angel because how else would he have known it was an angel's voice that was speaking to him. So he first had the voice of an angel telling him to go to this specific location. 
And then once he was there, he heard the voice of the Spirit. Why the two different types of leading? Well, Philip was in the midst of a great revival in Samaria. He was an evangelist. And there were people getting saved by the multitudes under his ministry. Some surmise that it took something unusual, like an angelic visitation, to get him to leave the crowds that were getting saved to go down to a deserted back road where there was nobody. But leave he did. And then it required the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit, speaking to Philip's spirit, to take the next step in God's plan, which was to connect with the Ethiopian eunuch, who was a complete stranger to Philip, and lead him to Christ. And he did. Hallelujah. An example from my own life, while nowhere near as dramatic as Philip's, still provided me direction when I needed it. My wife and I had been invited to participate in an anniversary celebration at a church we had served at several years earlier. When Michelle told me about it, I groaned. Let me just say that our last year was less than enjoyable there. I told my wife, I'm going to have to pray about this invitation. Later that evening, I went to the back room and I got alone with the Lord. And I said, I just bared my heart. I said, Lord, I really don't want to go to this event, but if you think it would do someone some good for us to be there, then I'll go. And on the inside, I heard the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit say very emphatically, no need to participate in the festivity of fools. I had not expected such a strong response. And I actually thought the use of fools seemed a bit harsh. But about two days later, the Lord reminded me of 1 Corinthians 3.19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And I understood why he had said what he did. This church had moved away from an emphasis on the move of the Holy Spirit and resorted to worldly ideas that we flashy screens, skinny jeans, and smoke machines, if you know what I'm talking about, to increase their attendance. Proverbs 20.27 says, The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. The Living Bible says a man's conscience is the Lord's searchlight, exposing his hidden motives. We can expect the Lord to enlighten and guide us through our spirits. There are more spectacular ways that the Lord can lead us, but they are less common. The ways we've talked about today are the most frequent ways the Lord will lead us, particularly the inward witness. Though it may be less spectacular than an angelic visitation, it's no less supernatural. And remember, you should always examine any leading you get in the light of God's word. No matter how spectacular the leading, if it does not line up with the word of God, ignore it. I'm going to say that again. No matter how spectacular the leading, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, ignore it. Amen. Before I close, I want to address one more thing. When spiritual truths like how to be led by the Holy Spirit are taught, quite often Bible teachers will only give you what I call cause and effect examples. In other words, the Lord led me to do such and such, And I got this result. And it's usually positive and very encouraging. And I've done that myself in this message today to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I I 
they make it easier to learn spiritual truths. But, but one thing they don't do is they don't prepare us for those times when the Lord leads us to do something and the results are not what we expected or maybe not evident at all. In Acts 16, 6 through 7, Paul and Silas were forbidden by the Holy Spirit from preaching in Asia and Bithynia. Whether they were led by an inward witness or by the voice of the Spirit, we aren't told. But when they came to Troas, Paul had a night vision of a man from Macedonia appealing to him to come over to Macedonia and help us. Well, now that's pretty spectacular, isn't it? Just a little side note here, folks. As you get older, the the Word of God said, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. As you get older, you may want want to share that you've seen a dream because people will think you're an old man. So you just tell them you had a night vision. That's That's what Paul had was a night vision. Amen. No charge for that advice, folks. That was just a little extra. So Acts 16.10 says, Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, in my mind, I'm wondering, I wonder if they thought, man, this is going to be like Philip in Samaria. We're going to have a great revival, and, and a lot of people are going to get saved. But just a few verses later, by the end of chapter 16, Paul and Silas had been beaten with rods and thrown into prison, having their feet fastened in the stocks. I'm not sure that's what we would have expected after getting such a spectacular supernatural leading by the Lord. And yet that's what happened. Years ago, I had an event happen to me where the Lord led me in a spectacular way through a series of unmistakable steps. And they fizzled out to nothing in the end. And I'm going to be honest with you, it led me leery of being led for years afterward. It's too long of a story to tell today, but I will give you one more that's a shorter example. Back in the 90s, I was leading a worship team at a church in Palm Harbor. And we had a bass player who was phenomenal. I The best I'd ever played with. He began experiencing problems with his right arm from an accident that he'd had earlier in his life. And the pain was making it increasingly difficult for him to play his bass guitar. So I was alone praying for him one day at home, and I asked the Lord to heal his arm. And this came up out of my spirit, and I spoke it aloud. Arm, arm, how long will you resist? the ways of the Lord and the songs that are His. For you have been trained for a time such as this, so play, play, play at His wish. He desires to hear a song of the Lord, played by a minstrel who's in one accord with the Spirit of grace and the Spirit of truth. So play, play, your infirmities loosed. Hallelujah. Never had that experience before? That or after that? But I thought, that's pretty neat. I'm expecting there's going to be a a real manifestation of healing in this man's arm. So I called him on the phone and I told him what the Lord said. And don't get me wrong, he's a tremendous guy, great guy. Uh, But these things were foreign to him. And 
His response was, oh, okay, thanks, Dave. And that was the end of the conversation. And he continued to play in pain, and nothing more was said about it. But there's no mistaking in my mind that that was the Lord. So as I said earlier, when other people are involved, they can override what the Lord wants to accomplish through these supernatural leadings. Amen? That shouldn't deter us from keeping our heart tender to the Lord and continuing to allow our spirit man to have dominance over our mind and our body. We learn to develop in spiritual things just like we learn to develop in natural things. And you don't quit just because you fall down once in the natural, right? You keep at it. As we approach the end of the church age, I believe it will become even more critical that we know how to be led so we can avoid the minefields the enemy tries to take us through. The Holy Spirit wants to be our guide. He understands how to avoid every trap and every obstacle along the way. As we obey the Word of God and allow the, follow the Holy Spirit's leading, we will have the wisdom to know every step we should take. Amen? Yeah. Let's close with Psalm 32, verses 8 through 9. And this is from the Passion Translation. The psalmist said, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he is guiding us in all the affairs of our lives and showing us things to come. Help us to become more sensitive to his leadings. Help us to become more spirit conscious. We purpose to order our lives in the light of your word, and we purpose to walk in love. And as we do, we believe you will always cause us to triumph in Christ. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Go out and be led. Hallelujah.